If you can't preach after the music we heard tonight, <laughs> that'll go stick your head in a bucket of ice water. That's all I can say. <laughs> so turn your Bibles, turn your Bibles to Matthew chapter 26. Matthew chapter 26. Can't wait to get to heaven and sing. Not that we can't sing down here, but lots of things I'm looking forward to in heaven. One of them is no masks. And, uh, <laughs> but uh, besides that, uh, Matthew 26, verse 17, verse 17. Now the first day of the Feast of Unleavened Bread, the disciples came to Jesus, saying unto him, Where wilt thou that we prepare for thee to eat the Passover? And he said, Go into a city to such a man, and say to him, The Master saith, My time is at hand. I will keep the Passover at thy house with my disciples. And the disciples did as Jesus had appointed them, and they made ready the Passover. Now when the even was come, he sat down with the twelve. And as they did eat, he said, Verily I say unto you that one of you shall betray me. And they were exceeding sorrowful, and began every one of them to say unto him, Lord, is it I? And he answered and said, He that dippeth his hand with me in the dish, the same shall betray me. The Son of Man goeth as it is written of him. But woe unto that man by whom the Son of Man is betrayed. It had been good for that man if he had not been born. Then Judas, which betrayed him, answered and said, Master, is it I? He said unto him, Thou hast said. And as they were eating, Jesus took bread and blessed it, and brake it, and gave it to the disciples, and said, Take, eat, this is my body. And he took the cup, and gave thanks, and gave it to them, saying, Drink ye all of it. For this is my blood of the New Testament, which is shed for many for the remission of sins. But I say unto you, I will not drink henceforth of this fruit of the vine until that day when I drink it new with you in my Father's kingdom. And when they had sung a hymn, they went out into the Mount of Olives. Turn to Luke chapter 22. Luke chapter 22. The same, same story. Luke chapter 22, starting with verse... 13. And they went and found as he had said. He'd said, go prepare the Passover. And, as, and they made ready the Passover. And when the hour was come, he sat down and the twelve apostles with him. And he said unto them, with desire, have I desired to eat this Passover with you before I suffer? For I say unto you, I will not any more eat thereof until it be fulfilled in the kingdom of God. And he took the cup and gave thanks and said, take this and divide it among yourselves. For I say unto you, I will not drink of the fruit of the vine until the kingdom of God shall come. And he took bread, and gave thanks, and brake it, and gave unto them, and saying, This is my body, which is given for you, this do in remembrance of me. Likewise also the cup after supper, saying, This cup is the new testament in my blood, which is shed for you. But behold, the hand of him that betrayeth me is with me on the table. And truly the Son of Man goeth, as it was determined. But woe unto that man by whom he was betrayed. And they began to inquire among themselves, which of them it was that should do this thing? Which of them it was that should do this thing? You know, I don't know if you're like me, but there's places in the Bible that I wish I was there. And I, if I had one choice where I wanted to be, it's a toss-up between the Last Supper and the Road to Emmaus. 
The road to Emmaus is one of my favorite passages in the Bible. I love it when Jesus is playing along like, so, what things you guys bothered about? I think that is the neatest thing. And I'd love to have been the third guy or the fourth guy walking along, figuring out what's going on. But the other place I would like to be, I'd like to be at the Last Supper. You know, it's funny. I'm not an emotional guy. But uh, I was doing okay, Grant. It's all your fault. I was doing okay until it's horrible. I was doing okay that we sang Wonderful Grace of Jesus. And I could picture my brother Glenn sitting in the back row singing his heart out. My brother Glenn couldn't carry a tune in a bucket. But oh, he loved to sing. He loved to sing. And we used to sing Wonderful Grace of Jesus all the time on Sunday nights in the church I grew up. And you know, you look out the window, there's the cows, you know, and all that stuff. But we used to sing it all the time. And I got, I all of a sudden got thinking about that and I said, oh boy, this is all I need. But <laughs> wonderful grace is all I need, all I need. Well, I love that song. Grace of God that bringeth salvation hath appeared unto all men, the Bible says, right? So anyway, the Last Supper. It says, Jesus, with desire, I have wanted to eat the Passover with you. Do you realize Jesus grew up in a Jewish home? And ever since he was a little boy, they ate the Passover. But one last time, he wanted to eat it with his family, the disciples. He spent three and a half years with them, so they had to be like family with him. With him. One of my favorite things with my kids growing up was eating supper. And listen to them all talk. That's why I love to get together as a family and eat a meal together and listen to everybody talk. I don't have to talk. I just like to hear everybody else talk and go back and forth. Can you imagine Jesus at the Last Supper? One last time, he wanted to hear them all talk. He was God, but he was also man. And he, wanted, he desired to fellowship with them. He wanted to spend time with them. And he wanted to hear Peter picking on Nathaniel and, and uh, maybe... You know, they didn't have food fights at the Passover, but maybe, <laughs> maybe you know, this one goofing off and, and uh, all those things. You realize the Bible couldn't contain three and a half years of Jesus' ministry. He's with these guys every day. So they had a, they had a, uh, a history. They had a history. And he wanted to fellowship with him. So tonight we're going to talk about five lessons Five lessons from the Last Supper, but let's pray. By the way, is this water safe to drink? That's if it, what's that? Yourself, oh, if it kills me, it kills me, right? <laughs> what's that? Pastors. Oh, it's pastors. <laughs> oh well, yeah, you know. Just do me a favor. Laugh at my funeral, all right? My kid. 
hopefully you didn't backwash too much. All right. With that said, we need to pray. Okay. Father, thank you for your blessings, God. Thank you for your word. Thank you, God, for loving us. Thank you, God, for teaching us things. And uh, every time we look at your word, God, you teach us new things. And we're so glad of that. We're so glad that we have a book that's alive and a book that never gets old and a story that never gets old, how the God of the universe cared so much about us that he sent his son to die on the cross in our place. God, help us to never get over that and to realize just what a blessing it is to be saved, God, what a blessing it is to know that we're on our way to heaven and no matter what happens in this world, that we have eternity waiting for us. God, I pray that you'd be with this message, God. Help me to not stumble around, God, but to bring forth, God, things that would honor and glorify you. Father, I pray that you'd uh, be with those that may be here or may be uh, listening somewhere that aren't saved, God. You'd help them to see the, the, the fact that God loves them. God loves them so much he sent Jesus to die for them. I pray, God, that you'd help them to come to a point where they'll accept you as their Savior. God, be with the rest of us that are saved. God, help us to draw close to you. God, help us to realize and, and have a special time, God, through the service tonight. And as we take the Lord's Supper, that we'd fellowship together because of the cross of Jesus Christ and what you did for us. And we'll thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. The first lesson that we need to remember about the Lord's Supper is that Christ is our Passover. They had the Passover Supper, but Christ is our Passover. And um, the, the disciples should have realized that. They are all raised Jews, and they ate the Passover every, every year. And they should have remembered, they, it, them of all people, should have gotten the picture that Jesus Christ is the Passover. He's the Passover. And he told them throughout his ministry. You go to John chapter 1. John chapter 1. We need to always remember that Jesus is our Passover. Because he died on the cross, he passes over us. And just like we sing the song, when I see the blood, I will pass over you. Uh, John chapter 1 and verse 28. Or 29, the next day John seeth Jesus coming unto him, saying, Behold the Lamb of God, which taketh away the sin of the world. This is, whom of, this is he of whom I said, After me cometh a man which is preferred before me, for he was before me. And I knew him not, but that he should be made manifest to Israel. Therefore am I come baptizing with water. Look down in verse 35. Again the next day, after John stood, and two of his disciples, and looking upon Jesus as he walked, he said, Behold the Lamb of God. And the two disciples heard him speak, and they followed Jesus. Then Jesus turned and saw them following, and said unto them, What seek ye? They said unto him, Rabbi, which is to say, being interpreted master, well dwellest thou. He said, Come and see. They came and saw where he dwelt, and abode with him that day, and it was about the tenth hour. One of the two which heard John speak and followed him was Andrew, Simon Peter's brother. And it goes on, he finds, Simon, he finds his own brother and says we've found Messiah. John the Baptist said, this is the Lamb of God. He announced to everybody, this is the Lamb of God. So if they'd have been paying attention, at least Andrew was there. If he'd been paying attention, they should have realized 
The Lamb of God is here. He's here now. And all through his ministry, Jesus kept telling them, I'm going to die. I'm going to die. Go to Matthew chapter 12. His message was, I'm going to die. I'm going to be the Passover. Matthew chapter 12 and verse 38. Matthew 12, 38, Then certain of the scribes and of the Pharisees answered, saying, Master, we would see a sign from thee. But he answered and said unto them, An evil and adulterous generation seeketh after a sign, and there shall no sign be given to it but the sign of the prophet Jonas. For as Jonas was three days and three nights in the whale's belly, so shall the Son of Man be three days and three nights in the heart of the earth. Go to Mark chapter 8. Mark chapter 8. Mark chapter 8 and verse 31. And he began to teach them that the Son of Man must suffer many things and be rejected of the elders and of the chief priests and scribes and be killed and after three days rise again. And he spoke openly. He spake that openly. And Peter took him and began to rebuke him. Go to Luke chapter 9. Jesus didn't keep it a secret to his disciples that he was going to die on the cross, that he was going to die for their sins. Luke chapter 9 and verse 18. And it came to pass, as he was alone praying, his disciples were with him, and he asked them, saying, Whom say the, whom say the people that I am? They answering said, John the Baptist. But some say Elias, and others say that one of the old prophets is risen again. He said unto them, But whom say ye that I am? Peter answering said to Christ of God, and he straightly charged them, commanded them to tell no man that thing, saying, The Son of Man must suffer many things and be rejected of the elders and chief priests and scribes and be slain and be raised the third day. Be raised the third day. So they should have realized this is the Passover, and this is the Passover sitting here in front of us. This is the Passover sitting in front of us. We need to remember that ourselves. We need to remember, like Pastor preached this morning, Christ died for our sins. He paid the price for our sins. You know what I appreciate about that? Christ died for our sins according to the Scriptures. We have proof that He died. Peter said we haven't followed cunningly devised fables. It's according to the Scriptures. We have proof in the Bible. It's not just something laid down from generation to generation. You have a Bible in front of you that tells you that Christ died for your sins. Christ died for your sins. And the Lamb, Christ being the Lamb of God, continues through the New Testament. In 1 John 5, 7, it says, Purge ye out the old leaven that ye may, may be a new lump, as ye, have, ye are unleavened. For even Christ our Passover is sacrificed for us. 1 Peter 1, 18 and 19, For as much as ye know that ye were not redeemed with the corruptible things as silver and gold from your vain conversation received by tradition from your fathers, but with the precious blood of Christ as of a lamb without blemish and without spot. Go to Revelation chapter 1. The book of Revelation is about the lamb. It's about the lamb. Revelation chapter 1 and verse 5. One of the great verses in the Bible. Revelation 1, 5. 
John to the seven churches, verse 4. Verse 5, and from Jesus Christ, who was the faithful witness, the first begotten of the dead, the prince of the kings of the earth, unto him that loved us and washed us from our sins in his own blood. What a great verse. He loved me and washed me from his sins in his own blood. The Lamb did that. Go to Revelation 7. Revelation 7, verse 9. After this I looked, I beheld, and a great multitude, and no man could number, of all nations and kindreds and people and tongues, stood before the throne and before the Lamb, clothed with white robes and palms in their hands, and cried with a loud voice, saying, Salvation to our God, which sitteth upon the throne, and unto the Lamb. And all the angels stood round about the throne, and about the elders and the four beasts, and fell before the throne on their faces, worshipped God, saying, Amen, blessing and glory and wisdom, and thanksgiving and honor and power be unto our God forever and ever. Uh, you know, it's, it's hard not to get worked up reading some of these verses in Revelation. Can't you wait to get to heaven and fall down before the throne and say, I should be in hell, but I'm not there. I'm not there. I'm here. Uh, Revelation 15 and verse 3. Sometimes I need to learn to not get so, not get so be calm about things. And <laughs> verse 3, And they sing a new song of Moses, the servant of God, and the song of the Lamb, saying, Great and marvelous are thy works, Lord God Almighty. Just and true are thy ways, thou King of saints. Revelation 21. It's about the lamb. Jesus is the Passover lamb. Revelation 21 and verse 21. And the twelve gates were twelve pearls, and every several gate was of one pearl, and the street of the city was pure gold, as it were transparent glass. And I saw no temple therein, for the Lord God Almighty and the lamb are the temple of it. Um, Look at uh, verse 27. And there shall be no wise enter into it anything that defileth, neither whatsoever worketh abomination, or maketh a lie, but they which are written in the Lamb's book of life. The Lamb's book of life. Verse tw chapter 22. When he showed me a pure river of water of life, clear as crystal, proceeding out of the throne of God and of the Lamb. It's all about the Lamb. It's all about the Lamb. Christ is our Passover. Christ is our Passover. Can you imagine what a sacrifice it was for somebody in the Old Testament to take a perfect lamb, a little lamb, and kill it and shed its blood? You think about that. You ever seen a little lamb? I, just, I love looking at lambs because when you look at lambs, it reminds me of Jesus. Every time I see a little lamb, I think, behold the lamb of God, you know. And uh, can you imagine? I mean, um, Debbie and Ben in Maryland have baby goats. You know, they, they, <laughs> they raised the goats. Originally, they were going to eat them. But nobody had the heart to kill them. <laughs> so they had to sell them. But, well, can you imagine taking a little lamb, a perfect Spotless, they were supposed to get a lamb out of the first year without blemish and, and kill that lamb. But Jesus is perfect without blemish. And he went to the cross for this wretch. He is the lamb. He's the Passover lamb. And as we take 
and as you think about the last supper the lesson we should learn the lesson he was probably trying to tell these guys is i'm the lamb i'm the lamb christ died for our sins and one thing we need to be careful with when we witness to people we always need to take them to the cross i get so sick of people that witness to people and say well just pray this prayer and do this thing take them to the cross Christ died for our sins according to the scriptures, was buried and rose again the third day according to the scriptures. That's the gospel. That's the gospel. And I've heard so many people just say, oh, you know, just pray with me. Well, wait a minute. What, who paid the price for that sin? The lamb did. The Passover lamb did. He paid the price for that sin. And uh, people need to realize that. He is the lamb. And it's all about the Lamb. Go to John chapter 13. This is one of the passages we didn't read. The second thing, the second thing we can learn from the Last Supper is the necessity of being a servant. The necessity of being a servant. John chapter 13. The most important thing is the Lamb. That's why it was first. <laughs> That's why he's first in my notes. But the, the second thing is the necessity of being a servant. John chapter 13, verse 1. Now before the feast of the Passover, when Jesus knew that his hour was come, that he should depart out of the world unto the Father, having loved his own which were in the world, he loved them in the end, in, unto the end. And supper being ended, the devil having now been put into the heart of Judas Iscariot, Jesus, Simon's son, to betray him, Jesus, knowing that the Father had given all things into his hands and that he was come from God and went to God, he rises from supper, laid aside his garments, and took a towel and girded himself. After that, he poured water into a basin and began to wash the disciples' feet and to wipe them with the towel wherewith he was girded. Go to verse 12. So after he had washed their feet and had taken his garments and was set down again, he said unto them, Know ye what I have done unto you? Ye call me Master and Lord, and ye say, Well, for I am. If I then, your Lord and Master, have washed your feet, ye also ought to wash one another's feet. For I have given you an example that ye should do as I have done to you. Verily, verily, I say unto you, The servant is not greater than his Lord. Neither is he that sent greater than he that sent him. If ye know these things, happy are ye, that do them. Jesus wanted to teach them, and the second lesson we can learn from the Last Supper is the necessity of being a servant. The necessity of being a servant. And Jesus showed them by example. You know, go to uh, Luke 22. Luke 22. And verse, we ended with verse 23. And they began to inquire among themselves which, is, which of them that should do this thing. But look at verse 24. And there was also a strife among them which of them should be accounted the greatest. And he said unto them, The kings of the Gentiles exercise lordship over them, and they that exercise authority upon them are, are called benefactors. But ye shall not be so. But he that is greatest among you, let him be as the younger. And he that is chief, as he that doth serve. So at the Last Supper... They're disputing with themselves who should be the greatest. Uh, you know, Andrew saying, hey, I should be the greatest. 
and somebody else saying, I should be the greatest. The greatest was washing their feet. That's what the greatest was doing. They should have realized that Jesus Christ showed them. Imagine what they must have felt. They must have felt, hopefully, they felt like idiots. Haven't you said something that you wish you hadn't said? And, And once it's gone, it's gone. After they're talking about who's the greatest, Jesus washes their feet. And maybe it wasn't in that order. I don't know. But they were at the Last Supper disputing who's the greatest. And um, a servant doesn't do that. A servant doesn't worry about who the greatest is. A servant takes the lowest place. A servant doesn't care if anybody recognizes him. A servant does what his master wants him to do or what his authority wants him to do. He doesn't worry about recognition. Um, a servant doesn't do it his way, doesn't do it his way. He doesn't question the instructions of the master. He doesn't think he's great. He doesn't have his own agenda. A servant has the master's agenda. He has the master's agenda. He doesn't have his. He's, do, he's a servant to somebody else. He's a servant for somebody else. You know, sometimes we can't be bothered to have a servant. We can't be bothered to be a servant. Sometimes we'll say, and I've said this, well, I got too much on my plate. I can't be a servant. Well, don't you think the Savior of the world had quite a bit on his plate hours before he died on the cross? He had quite a bit on his plate. Uh, But he still took time to be a servant. He still took time to be a servant. And there's sometimes I think about myself, I I get pretty ashamed of myself. Uh, But he wasn't too busy to wash their feet. He wasn't too busy to wash their feet. And if you keep reading in the book of John, he wasn't too busy before he went to the cross to spend three chapters teaching them. You know, John 14, 15, and 16. You know, just one big dialogue. Jesus is teaching them. He's praying for them. He's praying for us. He's going to the cross and, but he's worried, he's not worried, but he's still instructing them and trying to help them, trying to help us, trying to help us. Um, go to Philippians chapter 2, familiar passage, but Philippians chapter 2 wouldn't hurt us to read Philippians chapter 2 every day. Philippians chapter 2, let's start with verse 3. Let nothing be done through strife or vain glory, but in lowliness of mind, let each esteem other better than themselves. Look not every man on his own things, but every man also on the things of others. Let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus, who being in the form of God, thought it not robbery to be equal with God, but made himself of no reputation. It took upon him the form of a servant, and was made in the likeness of men. And being found in fashion as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient unto death, even the death of a cross. Wherefore, God has also highly exalted him and given him a name, which is above every name, that the name of Jesus every knee should bow of things in heaven and things in earth and things under the earth, and that every tongue should confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father." You know, Jesus made himself of no reputation, took on him the form of a servant, took on him the form of a servant. You know, our goal every day should be to be more like Jesus. Well, if we're to be more like Jesus, we need to be more of a servant. I need to be more of a servant if we're going to be more like Jesus. And uh, serve, serve, 
with all our hearts. The third thing we should learn from, or we can learn from the Last Supper, go back to John 13. Go back to John 13. The third thing we can learn is the importance of staying in fellowship with God. Look at uh, John 13 and the verses I didn't read. Verse 6, Then cometh he to Simon Peter, and Peter said to him, Lord, dost thou wash my feet? Jesus answered and said unto him, What I do thou knowest not now, but thou shalt know hereafter. Peter said unto him, Thou shalt never wash my feet. Jesus answered him, If I wash thee not, thou hast no part with me. Simon Peter said unto him, Lord, not my feet only, but also my hands and my head. Jesus said unto him, He that is washed needeth not save to wash his feet, but is clean every whit, and ye are clean, but not all. For he knew who should betray him, and therefore he said, Ye are not all clean. He said, If I wash thee not, thou hast no part with me. He's saying to Peter, if I can't wash your feet, you've got no part with me. You know, I want to have a part with Jesus. I want to have fellowship every day with Jesus. But if I don't wash my feet, I don't have any part with him. I won't have any part with him. Just like Peter. He says, if I, if you don't wash, if you, I can't wash your feet, you have no part. He said, I don't need to wash your whole body because you're saved you know reading it reading if you read between the lines there but you need to keep your feet washed to stay in fellowship with me and i don't know like i said i don't know about you but i want to have a part with jesus i want to have fellowship with him every day psalm 66 18 says if i regard iniquity in my heart the lord will not hear me the lord will not hear me sin separates us from god you know, Jesus washing their feet had two purposes. He wanted to show them that he was a servant, how to be a servant, and he wanted to show them the importance of staying clean, staying clean. Uh, we need to realize the importance of staying clean. You know, when Jesus was praying in the garden, he said, Father, let this cup pass, don't let this cup pass from me, or let this cup pass from me. He didn't want to lose fellowship with his father. When he was on the cross was the only time in his life when he didn't have fellowship with the Father because the Father looked at our sin and couldn't have fellowship with the Son because he was paying for my sin. Well, he wanted to teach the disciples the importance of staying clean. The importance of staying clean. And sometimes, even though we know this, we don't always do this. We need to realize how important it is to stay clean. Isaiah 59.2 says, But your iniquities have separated between you and your God, and your sins have hid his face from you that he will not hear. That he will not hear. You know, fellowship with God is sweet. Fellowship with God is sweet. But you know what? Being out of fellowship with God is miserable. I don't know about, about you, but have you ever gone a few days with a bad attitude and you just didn't want to get rid of because you were enjoying it too much? Yeah. That's sin. Yeah, and when you do that, when I do that, we're out of fellowship with God. We're out of fellowship with God. I can't stand my wife and I being upset with each other for more than five minutes. Really, seriously. I can't. I, you know, I just, you know, I love her too much. I'd rather, 
I don't want to be upset with her. I would rather let's get it settled and uh, you know, let's get this over with. You know, when I was at work, I would apologize for stuff that wasn't my fault because I wanted to have, I didn't want the relationship between me and a coworker to be bad. So I, I wanted that fellowship, even though we weren't, both weren't saved, I wanted that fellowship. Well, it ought to be the same way with us and God, where we want that fellowship. There's nothing like being in fellowship with God, but there's nothing like having that dark cloud hanging over your head when you're not in fellowship with God. And I have been there too much. That's a dark cloud. And we need to wash our feet constantly. And uh, not just every day, sometimes a thousand times a day. <laughs> uh, but we need to wash our feet. We need to stay in fellowship with the living God because there's nothing better than that. But when we hold on to our rebellion, our bitterness, our bad attitude, we lose the most precious thing in the world there is. Besides salvation, the most precious thing you can have is your relationship with God. The most precious thing I can have is my relationship with God. Because if our relationship with God is where it should be, the whole world can fall apart. And we'll stand there with a smile on our face. But when it's not, then we'll walk around like, you know, the guy in Peanuts with the stuff dumping on our head. I don't even remember what his name was. But... You know, that's, that's happened. And, and, you know, we get in a bad mood. We like to stay there. We need to confess our sins. We need to confess our sins and be right with God. The fourth thing, which goes along with the third thing, is the importance of self-examination. You know, we're having the Lord's Supper tonight, but the importance of self-examination. Go to Matthew 26. Matthew 26 and verse 21. And as they did eat, he said, Verily I say unto you that one of you shall betray me. And they were exceeding sorrowful and began every one of them to say unto him, Lord, is it I? Lord, is it I? You know, that's the question every one of us should ask ourselves every day. Lord, is it I? Is it I? Am I right with you? Am I the traitor? And I don't mean that, you know, you're going to say that Jesus Christ never lived or you're going to, you know, those kind of things. But, you know, we're a traitor to God when we sin. We're a traitor to God when our heart's not where it should be. We should look in the mirror every day and say, Lord, is it I? And I give the disciples credit, you know, none of them were confident that it wasn't them. You know, Judas knew it was him, but the other ones were questioning themselves. Is it me? I wonder if it's me. I wonder if I'm going to be the one. And, you know, the Bible says, let him that thinketh he standeth take heed lest he fall. And we should, re we should always be at the point where it could be me. God, don't let it be me. Don't let it be me. You know, I pray every day for you folks. God, I pray every day for my grandkids. I pray every day for my kids. Saying, God, don't let them say, don't let them be a Judas. Don't let them fall away from you. Don't let them turn their back on what they know is right. Because they could do it that quick. I could do it that quick. 
because our stinking flesh is rotten. And the only thing I've learned, I haven't learned too much in my 66 years, but one of the things I've learned is I'm too proud. I hate that in me. I'm too proud. I think, pastor said this, I think every sin comes to pride. Every time we sin, we're proud. And we can't admit that we're wrong so many times. I hate that in me. And um, one thing I've learned is, you know what? This flesh can't not be trusted. This flesh can't be trusted. This flesh is rotten. You ever get down on your knees to pray and have some stupid, wicked thought come in your head? I have. I have. You ever read your Bible and have your mind wander off of some boonies land somewhere? Oh, I hate that. Um, you know, it'd be nice to be able to be a zombie and, and just <laughs> focus in, in on that one thing you know, and not have to worry about that. But the importance of self-examination, we need to be honest with ourselves. 1 Corinthians eleven twenty-eight says, Let a man examine himself. Let a man examine himself. 2 Corinthians 13.5 says, Examine to see if you're in the faith. Examine to see if you're in the faith. You know, Judas, you know, some commentaries say he wasn't there, but he was there. His hand is with me on the table, it says in Luke. Judas took part in the Last Supper. He had the Last Supper with the other disciples. He wasn't saved. He's the type of those that eat the, you know, the body and blood of the Lord unworthily, like it says in 1 Corinthians. He wasn't saved. We need to examine ourselves. Everyone needs to examine themselves to make sure that they're saved. You know, I hope, I hope that there's nobody in this church that's not saved. I realize some of the younger children haven't got there yet. And, you know, the little light hasn't come on yet. But those of you and those of us that are old enough to understand, I hope there's nobody here like Judas. I pray there's nobody here like Judas. That Judas performed miracles. Judas preached. Judas was the most trusted man there. He was the treasurer. He held the bag. I'm the treasurer, too. Uh, but but uh, he was... He was trusted because he was trusted with the money. The disciples didn't even, when, when it was pointed out to them, this is the guy. Jesus handed him the sop. And they all said, oh, he must want him to go buy something for the feast. It wasn't like, oh, he's the one. Let's jump on him. No, not him. It can't be him. Well, we need to examine ourselves, not only see our spiritual state as far as as uh, are we right with God as a Christian, but we need to examine ourselves whether we're a Christian or not. I don't mean to get anybody to doubt your salvation, but everybody should examine themselves. I don't know who's listening to this on the internet or whatever. You need to examine yourself and make sure that you're in the faith. Make sure that you've trusted the Lord Jesus Christ as your Savior. Um, Jesus, like I said, Judas took the Last Supper, and, uh, but it's important for us to examine ourselves. The last lesson from the Last Supper, and some of you might think this is, where did I get this? But go to John, Matthew chapter 26. Matthew chapter 26. 
Matthew chapter 26 and verse 30. And when they had sung a hymn, they went out into the Mount of Olives. The last thing, lesson from the, from the Lord's Supper, is the importance of singing. The importance of singing. Can you imagine? Judas has left, but there's 12 of them. And when they had sung a hymn, they went out. Twelve men singing a cappella. You know, I've got a I've got a CD at home called Sixteen Singing Men. It's an old, old CD. It's fantastic. Um, can you imagine? I wonder if Peter was a tenor or a bass. <laughs> but I do know one thing: Jesus never sang a sour note. Jesus had perfect pitch. I had a roommate in college with perfect pitch. This guy was phenomenal. He, could, uh, he knew he could hear a note, he knew what it was. He sang a note, it was the right note every time. He had, he had perfect pitch. I don't completely understand what that is, but it's not, it wouldn't be a bad thing to have. If, maybe some of you do, I don't know. But uh, Jesus had perfect pitch. Jeez, can you imagine? I, I hope Jesus sings in heaven. I want to hear him sing. I really do. Maybe I'm weird. But we're going to be singing in heaven. We're going to be singing songs about the Lamb. We're going to be singing in heaven. And you know, singing is an important part of church. It brings us together. And it brought them together. Can you imagine? Jesus wanted to fellowship with them at the Last Supper. Then he sang with them. Then he goes to the garden and he says to Peter, James, and John, Come pray with me. And they fell asleep. But they needed to pray. Peter needed to pray. But he, in his humanity, he knew he needed extra strength. He was going to go to the cross anyway. But he wanted the fellowship. He wanted the singing. And uh, the importance of singing. You know, nothing draws us together better than singing. The Bible says, singing to yourselves in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, making melody in your hearts to the Lord. One of the things I remember from church growing up is singing after the Lord's Supper every time. And I'm not saying we should sing this because, I mean, it's not a bad song. We used to sing, blessed be the tie that binds our hearts in Christian love. The fellowship of kindred minds is like to that above. I don't know if I was on key or not, but that certainly wasn't perfect pitch. But, <laughs> but anyway, it was, it was a sweet song, and it brought us together. It brought us together. And as a church, when we sing, it brings us together. It brings us together. Go to Psalm 118. I've read in some commentaries and stuff that at the Passover... And I don't know if this is right. They don't know it's right, I'm sure. But in the Passover, they used to sing Psalms 116, 117, and 118. And look at Psalm 118. I always wondered what they sang when it sang, they sang a hymn and went out. They didn't sing, what can wash away my sins. Nothing well, That wasn't written yet. No, they couldn't sing that. Uh, Psalm 118 and verse 21. I will praise thee, for thou hast heard me, and art become my salvation. The stone which the builders refused has become the headstone of the corner. 
This is the Lord's doing. It is marvelous in our eyes. This is the day which the Lord hath made. We will rejoice and be glad in it. Save now, I beseech thee, O Lord. O Lord, I beseech thee, send now prosperity. Blessed is he that cometh in the name of the Lord. We have blessed you out of the house of the Lord. God is the Lord, which hath showed us light. Bind the sacrifice with cords, that's interesting, even unto the horns of the altar. Thou art my God, I will praise thee. Thou art my God, I will exalt thee. O give thanks unto the Lord, for he is good, for his mercy endureth forever. You know, it's very possible they could have sung that psalm. Give thanks to the Lord, for his mercy endureth forever. Verse, verse 1 starts that way. O give thanks unto the Lord, for he is good, for his mercy endureth forever. You know, the best music is the music that's about Jesus. That's the best music there is. Not, I have a feeling, or those kind of things. The best music is the music that exalts Jesus Christ and sings about Jesus. And uh, we need to remember that. So don't forget the importance of Christ's sacrifice. Be a servant. Stay in fellowship with God. Examine yourselves and sing songs about Jesus. Pastor.